Hello everybody and welcome to our next Q&A session with the amazing Viv Graham, who's kindly offered to spend her time today to answer the questions that have been put forward by primary school leaders members. Viv, can you tell us a bit about yourself please? Yeah, more than happy to Vicky. So I think I've been in the education profession now for around at least 30 odd years, which makes me feel really old when I say that. I'm a former primary head teacher. I left headship around about probably 18 odd years ago now. And the work that I now do through integrity coaching was really based upon that whole experience of having being a head teacher, finding it to be a really lonely experience with no one to turn to for support. And I remember one key moment, just crying in my car, just beside myself and with no one to turn to. And it's that really, that whole instant that set me on the path to what I now do. Just really trying to be an advocate for head teachers because they do an amazing job and they just don't get the support, what I believe anyway, that they deserve so they can be the best in their roles. So that's me, that's what I do. Fantastic, thank you. Are you okay for me to ask it our first question? I am, yeah, go So. So this was put forward by one of our primary school mm. leaders members. How do I make my first term as a new head successful? Okay, so that's a really big question, really. And one that I completely understand, one that, you know, when I'm with my heads, particularly if they're new enrolled, that I'm asked quite often. And I think the first thing is, if you're, if you're new in your role and it's your first term, You've got to define what success means for you because the whole world <laughs> is going to have their own sense. Okay, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, your governors, your Ofsted and so forth. But you need to define what success means for you first of all. And then I think really importantly in your first term, I think you're going to need to really recognise that a lot of this role is going to be asking you to stretch and it's going to ask you to step outside of what's comfortable for you. So in all those areas that I would call your stretch zone, I think you need to just really detail where those areas are that you're going to be asked to be stretched and identify the priorities because you can't do everything. So just identify those one or two key areas and then look where you can get support. Look, where you're, look, look to yourself as well and what your own strengths are. And then decide and be very deliberate about, okay, they're the things that I'm going to focus on this for this term. And I'll measure my success based by what's important to me, because that's the most important thing. So that's what I would suggest. Fantastic. Thank you. OK, so mm. our next member yeah. says, I'm a new head teacher. Mm. I'm struggling with my deputy head teacher. Right. Okay. She went for the role okay. and was unsuccessful. Right. She feels that she's not on the same page yeah. as the deputy. Uh -huh. What can she do to move that relationship forward? Because she right. knows how good she is in right. the role that she has now. Okay. Now, this is a really challenging one and a really difficult one, and one that I hear a number of times. And I think there are a number of angles to it. I think, first of all, if, you're, if you've got a relationship with your deputy that's not how you want it to be, I think the first thing you need to do is to look at yourself and to look at how you're trying to manage that relationship. And then ask yourself, okay, what have I already done? What have I learned? Because just asking those first two questions, you can get a sense of, okay, maybe I've been trying, and perhaps I've been trying too hard, which is what I sometimes see, of individuals trying to make things better for the deputy, or trying to make it better for the other person who's been aggrieved. And what you end up doing is stamping on your own feelings and what you really need to do or what you really need to say. 
So that's the first thing I think. Just ask yourself a few key questions. I think also, and I know this might be difficult, but try and put yourself in the shoes of your deputy and try and think about where he or she might be coming from. Because I am guessing, and I kind of like know this, again, being in a situation with a number of colleagues, that the deputy, for whatever reason, they'll be harbouring some kind of hurt, some kind of letdown, maybe wanting to have been in your shoes and maybe not having got the role. So all the behaviours that they're showing that are making it difficult for you to work with them, they're defending themselves. They're protecting themselves because they're hurt. Now, it takes great skill to be able to ask them to come out from behind their defences. So a second thing I might suggest is consider whether you need an outside person to facilitate a conversation between you and your deputy. Because in that way, then you're not having to hold their emotional space. You're not having to worry about your emotional space. You've got an expert who can do that and then can facilitate you having the honest conversation. So they're the things that I would suggest for that one. Not easy, but there are some ways forward with that. Thank you. Our next question. Right, okay. Is, how do I reduce the workload of my staff without putting on my plate? It's incredibly difficult because jobs need to be done in school. But I'm really mindful about how much workload everybody else has. Okay, so again, I think here what I would suggest is, because with all of this, I always say look at yourself first of all. Because it could very well be that, okay, you might want to reduce workload. And if you're asking the question without increasing my own workload, I'm hazarding a guess. One of the things might be that you might recognise within yourself a driver to please others. So you're saying, okay, I want to reduce workload, but I don't want to take it on myself. But you might recognise within yourself that what you have been doing to date is saying, yes, okay, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do that. And you can't. So one of the things that you might want to be doing is see, if that is you and you recognise that's you, finding ways where you feel more comfortable saying no. Another aspect might be, which was very true for myself as a head, I was what's sort of described as a B-strong. And if you're a B-strong, you never ask for help. You take everything on yourself and people believe you can do it all. And again, if you're thinking about how do you reduce workload, but again, starting with yourself, it might be that you do need to ask for help. Okay, our next question. With falling budgets and redundancies looming, how can I keep staff morale up? Okay. Again, in our present climate, that's that's a really challenging but very pertinent question. And so I think there are two aspects to this. I think there is the current reality. We just have to acknowledge that. Falling budgets, um, deficits and all things like that. That is a reality. However... What I think we also need to recognise is then, particularly if you're leading and you're the head teacher, what are the conversations that are being had around this? Because if the conversations are always to do with lack or always to do with deficiency, then what happens is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of how people feel. So you get the low morale. I think you just have to guide your conversations in the staff room um, when it's peer-to-peer find the joy, find the things to celebrate, find the small things, let them be your focus, let them be your narrative. Yes, there is that bigger narrative, but we all have a part to play in that. 
So I'm very clear, you know, that when I'm with my heads, when we're messaging around integrity, it's being the best that you can be. It's the joy in the role. We have to get back to that. And I really feel in schools as heads, you can shape that narrative. And yes, it may mean digging deep. Yes, it may mean having different types of conversations, but they are necessary. If you're going to keep morale up, you've got to look at where you choose to focus. So I would say choose to focus on the good things. Choose to focus on the joy. Choose to focus on the things that you can celebrate as a potential way, yeah, to address low morale. Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, our next question is... I want to be a present head teacher, yeah. but I'm finding that staff are asking for a quick chat right. all the time. Okay. I can't get any of my work done. Right. I want to be a present head yeah. and I don't want to say, no, yeah. not now, yeah. but I also need to do my job. Okay. Again, I get it as well. I look back to when I was a head teacher and to begin with, I was very much like that. And I look back and I can see, you know, just how much of my time was eaten up because I wanted to be present so obviously wanted to allow opportunities for people to come and speak to me as and when they wanted to, but that would often mean me sacrificing what I had to do. So a couple of things I would say here is one, you need to be very clear about setting your own boundaries. It's really, really important. Now I know initially there might be some resistance there, but I can't because it might mean that, he- that staff think I'm not present. Far from it. If you're explicit, if you were clear and you explain the reasons as to why, then it's also about prioritising your own time and really giving priority to your needs and what you need to do. And staff can accept that, but I think it's about being explicit about that. I think it's about also recognising when there might be times when you need to work away from school. Again, I know heads feel guilty about that, but let's just quickly look at this thing around guilt. Guilt only occurs when we think we're doing something outside of the norm. So the norm that we have for head teachers is that you're busy, 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 and you're seen to be busy, busy, busy. But part of what we need to do to help you stay well in the role is recognise that busyness does not equate to effectiveness. So once you can get your head around that and recognise that if you're not seen, it doesn't mean that you are slacking. It's about enabling you to do what is necessary. And sometimes you will need time away from the chalk face to do that. You give staff, uh, you know, non-contact time. You also need to give yourself some of that time as well. So I think it's about boundaries, recognising when you can work away from, um, away from school and also feeling comfortable, finding ways to be able to say, I really do want to have this chat, but now isn't the right time. Can we come back and arrange another time to do so? And that will take practice because if you've always got used to say, yes, and everyone, and anyone knocks at your door or, oh, yes, that's OK, pushing your work to one side, you've got used to experiencing yourself in that way. So it will take time. But it, again, it can happen and it will make your life just so much better. So it's really about, I think, recognising that your needs matter, looking at really the habits that serve you well and the habits that don't serve you so well. So as in that question, you know, that I always, I want to be present and I want to be able to have the chat and that's what I do. Then I would say there's some, probably some habits there then that aren't serving you so well. And then it's looking at those, looking at the impact, looking at the new habits that you want to develop and then just putting in little action steps to help you achieve that. 
but also alongside that, looking at what you consciously need to do and explicitly need to do or say with your staff so they understand a different change in your behaviour or your style. And it's not about you letting them down. It's not about you want, not wanting to be present. So having the conversation at the same time as you're seeking to change your behaviours and your habits. Perfect, thank you. Yeah. Okay, Viv, could you mm -hmm. tell me about what you think the key learnings are yeah. for school leaders to take away from the mm -hmm. Leeds Beckett University Research right. Report and the impact of leadership coaching in schools? Okay, so there's quite a few strands to that. So I might have to just touch base yeah, and absolutely. make sure that I've answered all the questions. So the key learning, I think there are a number. I think one is to recognise, I think in terms of the findings, is that the personal and the professional, they go side by side and one cannot be done without the other. I think too much of what we see in terms of head teacher support is focused on the professional. So we have the MPQH, but we have all the other MPQ sort of programs. And yes, they have their place. But I think what this report really highlights is it's the personal that matters and they both need to journey along side by side. And if that is neglected, what the report has highlighted is that's when head teachers begin to maybe think about exiting. That's when head teachers begin to think that they can't do. But if they have the support inside which coaching provides, that helps them to understand the internal changes that are happening while professionally they're leading their schools, they begin to embody the role differently. They begin to recognise their faulty ways of thinking, or they begin to recognise how they can overcome maybe emotions that have been weighing really heavy upon them and they just begin to see themselves in the role differently so I think that's a real key recommendation in terms of the personal and the professional they go side by side we can't have one without the other it's not an either or it's a yes and relationship between the two so I think that's really important I think another key recommendation is really in terms of the role of governors, mats and unions, and let's be honest, DfE policy makers. It breaks my heart and it grieves me that we still have so many heads who are leaving the profession. Can't tell you how upset I get, either if I'm having a conversation or I'm having a call with someone who is just so close to the edge. It's wrong. And those who have that duty of care, then they have an obligation, and this has been you know, identified in the report, to recognise what their duty of care is about. Again, it grieves me when heads are told, well, you're paid X, Y, and Z, you're paid so much to take all the flat. And that's dehumanising. And it's disrespectful. And it's so, so just such a lack of understanding of what the role is about. A head teacher is paid to be the lead practitioner, to be the lead learner, to be a role model. They are not paid to act as robots and to be devoid of feeling and emotion. That is wrong. And so, governor, so you know, going back to the key recommendation, it is about governors. It is about unions recognising, fully understanding what it means to have a duty of care and to put that care in for head teachers. Head teachers should not have to beg for it. They should not have to ask for it. It should be seen as part and parcel 
of when a head teacher is appointed, we want you and we want you to stay as your best. We want you to flourish in this role. And so we're going to provide leadership coaching to sustain you and for you to never, ever have to feel that you're alone or that you can't do this job by yourself. So I think that's another key recommendation from the report that really, really has to be taken on board. It, it just can't, it can't continue as we're doing. We, there's so much emphasis and I understand why and we make sense and it makes sense around teacher well-being, but we can't forget the well-being of heads. And that's what I really hope this report will help to highlight and further complement other reports that are out there. That yes, there's teacher well-being and head teacher well-being needs to be recognised alongside that. So I think in terms of for governors, I think, you know, what we have now with our school structures, we have, we have mats, so mats have boards, and boards will have on them many individuals who are from the business world. Now, from the conversations that I'm having on the ground, is that many of these, many of these individuals, they understand what coaching is about. And they may have had access to it themselves, or they will, yeah, they may have access to it themselves or their organisations. So it's about if, if, if you're a governor or you're sitting on a board and you have that experience, then your voice needs to be quite loud and influential in terms of governor discussions around support for the head teachers. You know, it should be a right for heads. If we look at CEOs and very much, you know, the role of head teachers today, we would argue, is the equivalent of a CEO. They're being asked to oversee millions in terms of school budgets. You know, once they become like part of a trust or an exec head, they have a huge number of schools and individuals whose well-being and whose performance they are responsible for. Therefore, it stands to reason then they need to be having the conversations that will help them to perform at their maximum potential all the time. And I think it's about being clear that conversations that, excuse me, that are purely focused on outcomes don't always facilitate that. You need the other conversations that allow head teachers to really look at in greater depth how they personally are addressing the challenges because it's those conversations that help them to do the front stage work on which governors judge them, but it's the backstage work that needs to be done so they can do the front stage with confidence and actually achieve the results. So I think for governors, the clear message is, have the conversations where you know there is best practice in business around coaching. Don't be afraid to bring that to the board. Don't be afraid to bring that to governing body meetings and discussions because your heads will thank you for it. They are crying out for this type of support. And now is high time that their voices are heard and that they are listened to. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for our Q&A. And thank you so much, Viv, for giving up your time to answer our questions. Have you got any closing statements for us? Yeah, I just want to say, remember that you matter. And it's my belief that not everyone can be a school leader, not everyone can be a head teacher. So those of you that are, you just need to know how precious you are. And you just need to know how courageous you are. And also you need to know that in terms of being the best and staying the best, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to admit to feeling vulnerable. 
Because those of you that do that, you're the ones who will stay true to your humanity. And you're the ones who will stay true to your calling and as to why you're in the profession. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody else as well. Yeah, thank you.